Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to VMB, the voice of Manhattan business, brought to you by the Manhattan Chamber of Commerce. I'm your host, Bruce Hurwitz. You can find me on the web at either hsstaffing.com or fishhookbooks.com. I hope everyone will be able to join me this coming Wednesday at noon when my guest will be Frank Bastone from Pinnacle Trips. We will be discussing river cruising. To learn about all future shows, please visit our website, www.thevoiceofmanhattanbusiness.com. Also, please remember to visit the events page on the Chamber's website, www.manhattancc.org to learn about upcoming events on the Chamber's calendar. I am delighted to be joined today by Michael Crook from Wells Fargo. We will be discussing financing your business, what you need to know. Please remember the opinions expressed on this program are solely those of the participants and do not necessarily represent the views or positions of the Manhattan Chamber of Commerce. Michael, welcome to the show. Bruce, thank you so much, and thank you to the Manhattan Chamber and, and to yourself for hosting the show on an important topic that's obviously near and dear to, to me and my, my company. Well, it's our pleasure, and let's begin. Why don't you tell us about yourself and your company? Absolutely. So, again, my name is Michael Crook. I'm the market leader for Wells Fargo's business banking group uh, in New York City and Long Island. And typically I like to start these type discussions with, uh, why I do what I do, and I, I do this with customers, I do this with prospects, and really all groups I talk to about commercial banking. And so I absolutely love lending money to small to uh, lower middle market companies. And most of these companies are privately held. They have a compelling story of how they got in the business or how they started or how their family uh, uh, came to this country and started a business. So it's really a, an interesting space. And, and when we make these companies alone, it not only helps their business, but it helps their family. It helps grow jobs. It facilitates commerce between other growing business. And it's an unbelievably rewarding segment of banking and of finance and just a rewarding career. So I, lo- I love to start there. Um, and then I'll, I'll quickly jump into my personal background. So I am a North Carolina native, began my banking career in the Raleigh-Durham market. Uh, from an early age, I was interested in, in things like math, money, finance, really just all things numbers. And I, I came from two parents that were both career accountants, and I, I'm not sure I had a chance not to be a banker or, or a CPA or an accountant of some sort. So um, graduated college with a finance degree, and I'll call it a – I worked for a boutique commercial bank in North Carolina uh, covering just about every segment within, uh, within the firm. So I was a teller. I moved to a customer service rep. I had loan doc review, appraisal review, uh, a little bit of management, and really was, was expo- exposed to a lot of different segments. And when I look back, it was such an instrumental time for me to learn um, the banking business as a whole and all these different roles. So uh spent the next uh, bunch of years after graduation as a commercial analyst, uh, portfolio manager, and then eventually moved over to Wells Fargo years ago in a, in a similar role. And to this day, um, I really believe the best path for commercial lenders is through the credit analyst role. I'm a bit partial because that's how I came through, um, but uh, but the analyst role just gives the, a great a great foundation. And so I moved to the ranks at Wells, commercial analyst, relationship manager, relocated with my family to Manhattan about four years ago, and then moved into the position I'm in now, the business banking manager, market leader position. So a little about my personal background and, and journey through the through Wells Fargo as a firm. Um, 
a little about the organization. So the business banking group at Wells Fargo, we, we focus on loans, deposits, and just full-range banking services for small to medium-sized privately held businesses. And so, um, you know, a lot of people know Wells as a, as a mortgage company, and, and few people know that we're one of the largest commercial banks in the country, and, and uh, this is near and dear to, to what we do every day. We're the number one SBA lender in the country by dollar volume and by, uh, by dollar and by volume. And, and simply said, Wells is top-notch and place, places a, a big focus on, on taking companies from early stage all the way to the biggest companies in the country to uh, investment-grade type clients. And so I touched on quickly why I do what I do. I think it stems in a major way from the culture of Wells Fargo's, not only commercial banking, but, but the firm as a whole. And so um, my group of local relation managers, business development officers, analysts, we lend money to small businesses for uh, an array of needs. We finance real estate purchases, refinances, equipment purchases, lines of credit for accounts receivable, uh, lines of credit for inventory, commercial credit cards, um, all of those type things. The list goes on. So we cover the gamut of commercial financing. So, uh, Bruce, thank you. A little about me and a little about the firm. Well, I appreciate that. Now, our topic, again, is financing your business, what you need to know. So, how should a business reach the decision to get funding? So re- really an important decision, and, and it, it comes to the – it plays into the success of small businesses um, to getting them to the next level. And what I'll start with is there's several avenues in the market, and I, I think we'll hopefully touch on those a bit a bit later in the conversation. But the specific question is the decision to get funding – I think there's two there's two things to consider. One is cost of capital, and the second is the different sources of funding. And I'll break those down in a bit. But um, specifically to cost of capital, what's it going to cost for my business to obtain this financing? And then more more importantly, can the can the business pay the loan back in the agreed upon term uh, or time period based on the earnings of the company or profitability? Um, are there covenants or restrictions that the lender is going to put on the on the financing that may inhibit a company from growing or being able to borrow additional money or distribute profits? These are very important things that a company has to know before they go out and get a loan. Um, furthermore, is it the right time for the business to borrow? Can the company uh, grow the business organically without getting outside funding? Really important important thing to to think about. Um, all these metrics play into the decision to borrow money. And then what I would advise businesses is to, before you make that final decision or the final uh, commitment, get out in the market and, and talk to banks or, or non-bank financing companies about what's available so that you can decide, does this make sense for my business before you fully commit to, to taking that next step? How should, uh, excuse me, how should a business owner calculate how much funding they need. Once they decide they want to take that approach and to go to a bank, how do they figure out what they need? Yep. So the the two most important pieces are cash flow and collateral of the business. And and they go in that order. So cash flow is king to uh, commercial financing. And and very simply is how much debt can the business afford to pay uh, from a principal and interest perspective. And then you have to do a look back of a couple of years. Um, do they have two, three, four years of 
um, historical proof that they can pay that loan back. That's what the bank is going to look at. And then secondarily, is there support from collateral on the balance sheet? And I like to give a quick example. And, and lots of companies come to the bank with uh, a re request for a line of credit. And I, I'll give an example. I'm, I'm a company and I want a million dollar line of credit. What the company should know is that a bank typically lends 75 to 85% of eligible accounts receivable. So if the company comes in and they have $100,000 of accounts receivable and they're asking for a million dollar loan, the, the sources and uses just don't match up and typically that's not gonna be a successful uh, transaction. So if you want a million dollar loan, you should really have in your mind, you need about a 1.2 to $1.4 million of average receivables or that much collateral to qualify for, for a line of credit. Um, a simple rule of thumb, this is great for businesses to know, is that a line of credit should equal to about 10 to 20% of gross revenue. And if you break that down, if you take all of the revenue, you divide it by 12 months, um, say it's $1.2 million, it's roughly uh, $100,000 a month. So that's really what it should support on a monthly to a month and a half basis. So what, what I would also say is, is businesses should go to their lender and, and talk to them about credit policy, about advance rates, about loan to value, about federal regulations um, when thinking about how much uh, funding they qualify for. Anytime a company goes into a bank knowing what the bank's going to look at and what the bank's going to require, uh, the, the success and approval rate um, increases exponentially. And the last thing I'll mention, I, I touched on cash flow and collateral. Um, typically, in the absence of, of historical cash flow and collateral, that's where non-conventional lenders can play a key role in funding, and, and we'll talk about that a bit later. I want to stay on collateral for a moment. Yep. If it's a company that makes something, then they've got a warehouse full of widgets. But if it's a service, my case, uh, executive recruiting, I don't have any widgets. So what would constitute collateral for a business service provider? Yeah, re really great question. And the, the simple answer to that is accounts receivable. So it, say, say you have clients that you bill monthly, and so that, that falls to an accounts receivable on your balance sheet, and that's what the bank is going to look at as collateral for that line of credit. In turn, think about a retail business. If, if you're a retail business and you get paid uh, on-site for everything that you sell, your need for a line of credit really diminishes because the minute you you sell that product, you're being paid for it. The the converse to that is you do have inventory, and so you have to build that inventory, and you should be looking at inventory as collateral versus accounts receivable as collateral for a retail company. Hopefully that answered, answered your question. But it, it, it is important for service-based companies to know that they may not have uh, tangible assets like inventory or equipment or things like that, but your accounts receivable is the key to that equation. Thank you for that. Now, are there companies which cannot get outside funding? I think the reason that I ask is, as you know, C corporations, for example, can't get funding from foreign sources. So what other restrictions are there that could prohibit a company besides not having the money? Let's assume they've got the uh, accounts receivable They've got the collateral. They're fine in that regard. Are there any companies that cannot get funding from a bank? Yep. Yeah, so it, 
if you if all the credit uh, metrics line up like you said, I think I, I don't really see any funding restrictions when it comes to uh, corporate structure for private companies. And again, I'm in the business banking space of small to medium sized businesses, so um, we do structure loans differently, and they're underwritten differently for LLCs versus C corps. But as long as the company is a U.S. domiciled entity, I don't I don't typically see any limitations. And there's two caveats I'll I'll throw into that. Um, one of the restrictions I see is on is around foreign ownership. We see some U.S. domiciled companies that may be owned by a foreign parent. Um, and again, in order to qualify for a commercial loan in my business banking world, the company has to be domiciled in the United States with owners and guarantors that are U.S. citizens or green card holders. And in that same vein, the collateral has to be uh, the collateral for the loan has to be in the U.S. as well. And I think about two things. If you're, if you're secured by a piece of real estate, that real estate has to be in the United States. If you're secured by inventory, the inventory has to be in the United States or at least on the water on the way to the United States or in a warehouse in the United States. And the, the reason for this on property or, or inventory is it's a collectability issue. If, if a business defaults, can the bank legally and more importantly logistically foreclose or repossess on those assets. And the, the inventory has to be in the United States in a warehouse for us to go get it, if you will. And then the last thing to restrictions is um, I like to highlight publicly traded companies. And in my space, I don't lend directly to public companies, but there are several business lines within Wells Fargo and, and certainly other large commercial banks that target and manage larger companies. And my advice, if you're a smaller public company, is to make sure you're you're going to the right segment at the bank. And if you're talking to the small business guy that does um, smaller loans for private companies, you want to make sure that you that you get referred into the into the next group that can um, really understand your understand your structure complexity for a public company and what the right options are for you uh, from from all sorts of financing standpoint. Okay, so let's get into the nuts and bolts. Okay. What do banks look for when deciding whether or not to provide funding to a business? Yep. In and other words, I, what does the lender, uh, lendee, you're the lender, so the lendee have to bring with them when they go in to apply for a loan? So I, I get this question a lot, and I think there there seems to be an unknown in the market of, of what does the bank look for. And and so I break it down in, into three ways. There's three primary factors uh for a bank to consider a commercial loan. And and I kind of break it down to three legs of the stool. If you don't have all three legs, the stool doesn't stand up. And so um, the, those three are primary, secondary, and tertiary source of repayment. And, you know, those are, those are words I'm going to break down. And I'll start with primary source of repayment. It's cash flow of the business. Very simply, does the company make enough money to pay this loan back? And that's that's where I'll leave it with with cash flow. Is the company profitable, and can can they pay the loan back? The secondary source is collateral. So, uh, quick example for a real estate loan: What's the loan to value of the property? How much equity does the company have in the property, and what's the condition? And then I'll jump to uh, we've mentioned inventory already. Um, where is that inventory? Is the is the inventory finished product or work in process? So. For example, if, if your company makes widgets, are those widgets uh, completed and could I sell them to, uh, to a customer in the market or 
are they halfway completed? And as a banker, I have to go in and complete that product in order to sell it. Really important to the to the collectability situation. Um, and and furthermore, could the bank sell that inventory in a workout scenario? So that the second is is collateral. And finally, a tertiary source. The third source is guarantor, um, principal, or owner who backs the business if the credit pro- profile were to deteriorate, if the company were to default, or or if the company were to lose money for various reasons. Um, I'll mention that all loans in the conventional business banking space are supported with a personal guarantee of the owner. So, uh, you know, business owners should know that going in, if you're a small to medium-sized business owner, likely every every commercial bank is going to ask you to to personally back, personally guarantee that loan. So those are the three, primary tertiary source and uh, primary secondary tertiary source, cash flow, collateral, uh, and then guarantor backing. And then there's other, there's other factors that the bank looks at. Um, some are financial, some are non-financial. And you think, well, what non-financial do, does the bank look at? I would break it down to uh, there's character um, of the business and owners is key. Are, are, are these guys going to do the right thing if, uh, if things weren't going well with the business? Um, other non-financial, what's the strength of overall relationship? Does the business um, have other relationship with the bank? How long have they been with the bank? Do we have a history with the bank? And then if you jump to more financial focused, you think about leverage, liquidity. There's all these, these ratio metrics that I'll throw out. Um, equity, margin trends, profitability, customer base, uh, concentrations. Is there one customer or is there a diverse customer base? Payment terms. Uh, purpose of the loan. Does the business have any bad debt from from prior dealings? Any judgments? Any other past dues? So, what what the bank looks at is a comprehensive comprehensive review of making sure that this is the right company to take a risk on and deploy capital to. And then you ask the question of what should a bank or what should a company bring to the bank? And I always say the more the better. Um, you know, have a resume uh, ready to, to really support your experience in that industry. Have a full financial package. When the bank asks you for more information, it's not because, um, you know, we, we like collecting paperwork. It's because the, the more history and the more ammunition and support we have to make this loan with historical proof of company operations, the better success we have in getting a loan approved and a, and a transaction completed. Fabulous. Thank you for that. Now, just a reminder, you're listening to the Voice of Manhattan Business. My guest today is Michael Crook from Wells Fargo, and we are discussing financing your business, what you need to know. Please remember the opinions expressed on this program are solely those of the participants and do not necessarily represent the views or positions of the Manhattan Chamber of Commerce. Michael, how is the interest rate calculated on a loan? Thanks, Bruce. And this is the outside of um, what does the bank look at? I think interest rate is the second uh, the second question. So it's a great question. It's great for, for business owners to understand. Um, and uh, an interest rate in commercial banking is typically derived uh, three ways. Uh, the three are risk, cost of funds, and collateral support. So most companies, and, and by no uh, fault of their own, don't know that each commercial loan is assigned a risk grade. And that risk grade plays heavily into how the rate's calculated. The less risky the loan, uh, by definition, the lower the rate. The second piece is um, internal cost of funds. Each bank has an internal cost of funds that 
covers overhead, the cost to process the loan, the cost to manage the loan, the cost to uh, hold the loan in our portfolio. So um, all those play into the cost of funds on the on the rate. And then lastly, collateral plays into the calculation. And I'll give a couple examples. So an unsecured loan carries the highest risk uh, by definition. So, and, and the thought is the ability to collect on an unsecured loan if the company were to default is next to uh, next to impossible. Similarly, if a bank makes a real estate loan to a business and that say it's a 20% loan to value. So the property's worth a million dollars and we lend $200,000 on that property. Even if, we're, if the business were to go out of, uh, if the company were to go out of business and we had to um, reposition the property, typically we're going to be able to make our money back and be made whole in that loan. So the less, uh, the less risky the collateral, the, the, uh, the lower the rate. Thanks, Bruce. Thank you. Now, in the good old days when life was simple, Willie Sutton robbed banks because that's where the money was. <laughs> now, today, you can get money from a lot of different sources. So I'd like to look at the, let's call it the um, less traditional. And first and foremost, talk to us about crowdfunding. Yes, um, and, and it's, it's a great conversation to have today. And I think you put it the right way. I, I kind of look at at business financing in two tranches. There's traditional bank financing, which is what I do, and then there's everything else, or non-traditional, non-conventional bank financing. So crowdfunding, um, really simplified, is, is where a bunch of different investors pool money to fund a project or a business. And when I think about crowdfunding today, um, the, new, the new term or the new slang is, is FinTech, financial technology. Uh, is the new term that, that comes to mind. And so, um, again, I would lump this uh, this type of funding into the everything else category. And just personally, I think it's a fascinating practice. I think it has a big place in the market with the way that new uh, the new high-tech fintech uh, companies are coming on board and the way that business are, businesses are getting funded. And what we've seen at the, at the large commercial bank uh, level is, because of crowdfunding type financing, Wells Fargo and, and the other big banks are introducing credit options as a direct result of what I'll call the fintech revolution of all these different new options coming onto the market. So from my experience, fintech can be a fantastic resource, but it's primarily geared to infant, new stage, growing type companies that may have a great idea, they may have a great business plan, but they're just early stages in the life cycle of the company. Um, you know, I, I'll kind of say these options are basically a, a first stop shop for newer companies. With crowdfunding and fintech, they typically have lower dollar exposures. And what that means is just lower loan amounts. Um, and the thought is if they keep exposures low and they spread them across a bunch of different businesses, their risk of large losses is uh, – is diminished or declining. So what I also see is when a company reaches a point where um, they're, uh, they're generating several million dollars of revenue, um, they have historical profits, they have a stable balance sheet, they need larger funding um, to support the business, typically they have to move to a more traditional um, commercial bank where they have to start building a, a relationship. And that amount varies from, you know, uh, under a hundred thousand up to a couple hundred thousand where I see fintech 
uh, kind of taper off. And so um, the last thing I'll mention about this is I see fintech and crowdfunding as a very important piece to uh, business funding. It's a new high-tech source for small businesses to get uh, to get off the ground, essentially. And you see a lot of it being done online, um, whereas my business is, is more relationship-based, where we meet companies and we understand them and we spend a lot of time with them um, to, to get a feel for how they do business and how they collect revenue. Uh, FinTech can be done very uh, in a more rapid manner, um, and, and it's for early-stage companies. And there's one thing I'm going to add, which is just which is off topic, but with crowdfunding, it's also a way to get free, if you will, market research or to have a uh, focus group. Because if you got a small company starting or a, a startup, and they don't know if there's going to be a demand for their product, well, if nobody's willing to give them any money, then that may be an indication that they're on the wrong track. But that's not our topic. Let's look at one other non-traditional source of funding, which is a little more traditional than crowdfunding. Talk to us about venture capitalists and angels. Yep, and, and another another good point. Um, and, and because of the conventional bank group I'm in, I kind of you're, you're right that it's not necessarily crowdfunding, but it's kind of a it's kind of in the middle. Um, and I mentioned earlier, I kind of place it, I, I personally place it in the everything else category. And l- let me kind of break down the two. So traditional bank lending is typically for companies that have been in business, you know, two, three years minimum. They have equity in the balance sheet. They have a history of generating profitable revenue growth. They've demonstrated to um, to the market and to other banks that uh, their model is successful, that there's a, there's a as you mentioned in, in your last comment, that there's a place for their product or service in the market and they can get funding. Um, traditional bank lending typically comes at lower cost. The, the rates are lower, very, very simply. Um, and the bank takes zero equity in the company. The, the best a, a commercial bank can hope for is to, is to get the money back that we lend and to make a bit of interest on, the, on that money as it's out deployed at, at that company or in the market. So let me, let me, parlay that into venture capitalists and, and that type of financing or angel investors, uh, all those type of options. So these type of options come in, in a bunch of different shapes and sizes. Um, it can be venture capitalists. It can be private equity. It can be angel investors. Um, you, a lot of companies have heard of factoring, and there's, there's a lot of different numbers for non-traditional uh, financing. Um, and again, what we see is there's many companies in the market that, that have that idea um, they just may not necessarily have the revenue or profit history. They may have, um, they may need an initial large funding to support their first big purchase order with a big retailer, but they don't have historical cash flow to show the bank of, hey, we've done this and we've made money, so you guys should lend us money. Um, we see companies that are in the market, they're, they're growing extremely quickly. They may be pouring all their profits back into the company to support that growth, and they just aren't making uh profits to support traditional borrowing. They may down the road, but they may have made a decision over the last couple of years to remain unprofitable in order to grow quickly. And it's always a conundrum of a company to, do we grow slower and maintain profits and, and, uh, and that type of thing? Or do we, we pour all of our money into, into the company, grow quickly and get to a certain scale so that, uh, 
so that you can operate at that at that higher level. Um, the thing I'll say about venture capitalists, angels, uh, private equity, it typically comes at a higher borrowing cost. Um, there's more risk to, to these type companies. So the, the cost of capital, the rates are typically higher. And then uh, business owners typically give up ownership. They give up control or equity in these borrowing situations. So conversely to a commercial bank, we take no equity. Typically venture capitalists will take equity in the company um, and they have a say into how that company is run and, and to the decision-making and the, and the general direction that a company can go. Uh, I'm glad you mentioned equity because I was going to comment that that seems to be the biggest differentiation between the, the three. You just want the uh, principal back and interest. The uh, crowd funders either don't want anything or just some gift, but venture capitalists want a piece of the pie. That's it. So, now, how should a business, uh, on the topic of equity, how should a business calculate how much equity ownership to give up in exchange for funding? You know, to me, this is such an important decision for a company. And so do you, do you give up equity in order to grow quickly and get an infusion of capital, or do you grow organically and keep keep control of the company. All the decision-making is, is in the in the small business owner's hands, but you may not get as much funding as, as you may get on the equity side, and you have to be comfortable with that and be able to grow it um, at a more stable pace as opposed to a more, a more rapid pace. So um, as I mentioned, uh, commercial banks never take equity in ownership. So the question really focuses around private equity, venture debt, um, and how much equity to give up in, in exchange for capital from those type entities. And I touched on um, a couple of the pros of this type financing in the last question, but, you know, these are great options for new stage companies and high growth companies. And as I, as I alluded to, businesses typically get, they get higher funding and sometimes there's less restrictions than, than, uh, than traditional banks may, may put on, uh, on those facilities. Typically we may say, uh, we may limit additional debt. Or we may limit distributions just to make sure we uphold the the quality and the strength of the balance sheet where the equity guys, they just want to see growth and they want to see uh, top line revenue growth and may not be as as concerned with the bottom line at this point. The the con to this type of, of financing and, and really should, should be first and foremost in the decision making is uh, management can lose control. There's loss of... Uh, complete uh, 100% control in the decision-making, there's dilution of equity, um, there's higher cost of capital, and if the, if the small business eventually grows to a point where they want to sell their company, obviously, the, like you said earlier, Bruce, the piece of the pie is, is diluted and they make less money on the sale of the business. And that's got to be instrumental in the decision-making to go out and, and raise money from, uh, from venture and, and equity-type debt. And then I do want to touch quickly on the calculation, and it Please. all it, it, it revolves really around the value of the business. So if a business is looking for $100,000 and they're offering a 10% equity stake, what they're saying is my business is worth a million dollars. And business owners, I, at times, I don't, uh, I don't see them having a realistic approach to the valuation of their business, and that's key. And what, what I advise is their third-party um, providers, sort of like appraisers or environmental type companies that value businesses. And if a company is going to go to the market 
and look for outside funding, typically from um, non-traditional lenders, I would always encourage them to get a to get a business valuation before they make that commitment to uh, to go to the market, and it will tenfold enhance their decision on how much equity to offer. If the if the valuation comes back and their business is worth half a million dollars, and they're willing to give up, you know, it, if they're asking for two hundred fifty thousand dollars for ten percent, that equity company is going to be looking more at fifty percent. So then it's a uh, then it's, they have to weigh their options of do I want to give up 50% for this amount of funding or should I ask for less funding for a smaller equity stake? And so my ultimate guidance here is to, a business should know what the market value of their company is, and, and all companies are valued differently. Um, some are valued on the bottom line. Some uh, are valued at, at the top line on recurring revenue, and, and there's different ways to look at that. But always start there of knowing what the value of your business is before you you go to these equity firms and say, here's what I want. Um, here's how much equity I'm willing to give uh, for, a, for a piece of the pie of my business. Michael, I want to thank you. You've provided a great deal of very important information. Before I let you go, what's the best way for people to get in touch? A- absolutely. I think uh, email is the best for, for me. I'll, I'll quickly give the email. It's michael.j.crook it's m-i-c-h-a-e-l dot j is in job dot crook c-r-o-o-k-e at wellsfargo.com um, happy to answer any questions uh, related to commercial lending or find the right home within Wells Fargo to, to get the right answer and then lastly I'd like to mention that uh, Joe Kirk is our Northeast Regional President for Wells Fargo's Community Bank uh, Joe serves proudly for uh for some time on the Manhattan Chamber Board. So I would encourage any chamber members that are listening to this uh, to this show today and, and in the future to contact Joe through the chamber. Um, you know, Joe can give you an introduction or give you any guidance on where to go for the right business loan within Wells or within other companies and, and can be a great resource. So, Bruce, that's what I would say, and I'll turn it back to you. Well, thank you very much, Michael. I hope you'll come back on at a later date. Absolutely. Thank you, Bruce. Appreciate the time and appreciate the opportunity. And as always, thank you to our listeners, and I'm certain Michael joins me in wishing everyone a safe and prosperous week.